I finally was like, okay, God, I, I remember getting on my knees and I'm like, I'm giving you my yes, Lord. Like, if this is what you want, I wasn't really sure if it was adopting or fostering, but um, I said, I'm, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today is March 15th, and it is our Stories of Hope luncheon. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So hopefully by the time that you're listening to this, we are either on our way to the Stories of Hope luncheon, or we have just finished. But either way, we are so thankful for all that God has done through this event. And we are especially thankful for our legacy sponsors, SBH Jewelry and King Cotton Fabrics. Both of their platforms are linked in our show notes. We would love for y'all to learn more about these two companies. SBH Jewelry, if you have any jewelry needs, you need to check out (laughs) everything that she offers. Sarah Beth Hagler just makes it so easy to purchase jewelry, and she has just beautiful things, earrings, bracelets, necklaces, everything. So please go to her website. And then also King Cotton Fabrics. King Cotton is a family-owned business. They're operated here right out of Birmingham. And if you just love beautiful things, oh, King Cotton oh, fabrics. fabrics. They're probably oh, all they, been there they for many, many years. It is so gorgeous. So please check them out as well. And we just want to thank them again for supporting this ministry. If you did not get a chance to donate at the Stories of Hope Luncheon, or if you would like to support our ministry, there's a link in the show notes. We would appreciate any donation. So click the link in our show notes, or you can certainly go to Storytellers live.org. Today's storyteller is Melanie Gates from our Jackson, Mississippi community. And it's really such a special Mm. story of all kinds of relationships near and dear to my heart because it focuses around adoption. Yes, you know, Robin, it really has a lot of layers in her story. And it really just started with her saying yes to God. You're going to hear about fostering, you're going to hear about adoption, but most importantly, you're going to hear about a rare relationship that took place between Melanie and the biological mother of the child that she did end up adopting. It's such a sweet story of God's supernatural love and how he just longs to place that within each of us to love others well. Here's Melanie. I'm Melanie Gates. I'm married to Adam Gates. We've been married for almost 19 years now. We have five children. Um, We have Landry, who's almost 17. We have Lola, who is 14. And then we have twins, Jack and Lucy, who are 12. And then we have Henry, that is five. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background. I'm not going to stay and tell you a whole bunch because it's relevant to my story, but not right now. I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. I was raised in a Christian home. We went to church every Sunday. I was really involved in my youth group. And I asked Jesus to be my Savior when I was 12. And no doubt in my mind that he was, I asked him and it was genuine and he has been living in me since then. And fast forward, I went to college. I met Adam in college. We got married. I graduated from college on a Saturday uh, Adam was already in um, living in Mississippi, so we went to Louisiana Tech. Let me back up. We went to Louisiana Tech. That's where I met him. Um, he's a year older than me. He graduated and moved over here to go to law school. So, when, and I was finishing dental hygiene school. So, whenever I graduated dental hygiene school, I moved all my stuff to apartment over here with him Friday. I graduated hygiene school on Saturday, and we got married on Sunday. <laughs> a very eventful weekend. We weren't waiting. We weren't waiting around. And so got married and Adam still had two years left of law school. We were, you know, planning on waiting and, and Adam and I are big planners. Like our hot, like we just like to plan. Like we just like to talk about it. And we just like to plan. And so our plan was Adam was going to finish law school and we were going to travel and save money. And then we would start having our family and stuff like that. Well, we celebrated our one year anniversary in May and found out we were pregnant in June. I cried because I was not ready to have babies and Adam was still in school and it was just going to be hard. And so had Landry, not almost nine pound baby, healthy baby girl, let's say two months before Adam graduated law school. And we were like, all right, well, we're going to plan now. Since our plans changed a little bit, we're going to plan now. And so we're like, we're going to, we want our kids to be close together. So we're like, we're, we're going to go ahead and start having babies. So we got pregnant uh, about a year later or so and had Lola 
another about nine pound baby. Let's see, it was in May, so they were two and a half, two years apart. And then we we were doing good, like just happy. Like Adam was working, I was working part time, and it was just great. Like we were just just happy. We actually bought some land in Mellowmead during this time, right after Lola was born, um, in the neighborhood like back behind um, Pine Lake where we were going to church, and it was you know a, a, a lot right there. And at the time we bought the land, after we bought the land, we had realtors coming up to us constantly calling us, like asking us to sell the property, like sell the land if we would want to sell the land. We're like, nope, we're going to build. Like, no, we're not going to. We kind of started talking about having a third. So Adam only wanted two kids. I wanted four. And so we had known that from dating and all that. But, you know, here we are. We have two. I want more. He's good. And so we were talking about having a third. And so we kind of had a compromise. Adam's like, all right, we'll have three. We're not having four. We'll have three and we're done. And I was like, okay. We were planning, you know, us planning. We were planning on trying in the fall. Well, we wound up being pregnant like that month, like June. Not our plans again. And then we found out that we're having twins. And Adam's like, you got your wish, didn't you? (laughs) Got your four. And so I'm like, yeah, but not the way that I was planning it. And so we had uh, Jack and Lucy. They were uh, a month early, but Jack was seven pounds, eight ounces, and Lucy was six pounds, six ounces. So I had about 14 pounds worth of baby in my belly. And it was, if you can imagine, I was miserable, but they were healthy. It was good. And so we come home and we have four children, four years and under, and life just got suddenly overwhelming so hard, so hard. I cried most days. We didn't, all my family was back in Shreveport. Adam's family was, he had some family in Shreveport as well. And so we decided to move to Shreveport to be closer to family. And so after we had Jack and Lucy that year before they turned one, we moved, packed everything up, moved to Louisiana. We celebrated Christmas. We moved December 18th to Shreveport and so right before they turned one. So that was a very hard year. So we were there in Shreveport. It was probably, it, it was hard. It was just not where we were supposed to be. We were, we were, we were just both unhappy. It was just, just not good. And so we made the hard de- decision to move back to Mississippi because we were happy there. And so we were in Shreveport a total of uh, 18 months. That's it. And we moved back to Mississippi. We moved into a sweet neighborhood and God just was, I mean, he's so in the details. We move in this neighborhood and next door we have a couple and just right down the street, we have an older, a older couple, both of them older couples that kind of adopted our family in and were like our adopted grandparents. Like they loved our kids. They loved us. And so we called on them. They kept our kids for us. Anytime we asked, like totally got them. That's one reason why we moved to Shreveport is to be closer to family. And when we weren't happy and, and that was one thing, moving back to Mississippi, we were worried about just having help. And God so sweetly put those couples, which we're still close to and love to this day. And they love our kids so much. And so you know, life was just good. And we were in a small group and we had a couple, Abby and Lee Blackworm were adopting and she was doing like, we we did a fundraiser for her. And while we were kind of preparing to do that fundraiser for their adoption, God started kind of speaking to me like, why not you? And I'm like, what? No way. Like, uh, we are good. Like we can finally breathe. We're finally enjoying our family, our kids, and I, we're in a good spot. Like, I don't, I don't want to change this. And so this whole matter of two weeks of preparing up until the fundraiser, God just put it on my heart. Like, I, I took Lucy, our twin daughter, to a speech appointment, and I opened a magazine, and it was on fostering. It was on the radio. It was Landry. My oldest came home one day in this matter of two weeks and goes, Mom, what's a foster uh what's a foster kid? And I was like, what? Where in the world do you hear that? And so a foster kid came to just started at her school that week, like during that time. And so I finally was like, okay, God, I I remember getting on my knees and I'm like, I'm giving you my yes, Lord. If this is what you want, I wasn't really sure if it was adopting or fostering, but I said, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. But my one thing I was like, Lord, 
I'm giving you my yes, but you have got to talk to Adam because he's going to think I lost my mind <laughs> if I go to him and tell him that I wanted to do this, that I felt called. He is going to absolutely think I lost my mind. So I prayed that. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to Adam, nothing. And so at this time, this was in October of 2015, and they were doing Love First at Pine Lake, which we really didn't, I didn't even know that was going on. And it happened to be on fostering. And then there was some legal issues with fostering in the news. Like it was a big commotion. And that's how God spoke to Adam all without me saying anything. Like that was just God talking to him in that way of, of his own way, like the legal aspect. And, and so when we went to church for Love Sunday and was we you know just heard about fostering and just that sermon we came home and we just kind of started talking about it and still I had not told Adam that I I don't think I even told Adam that I said that prayer until maybe a year or so later like he never knew that I gave my yes like we just started talking about it and as big planners, we sat down and we like had a pros and had a cons list. And we're like, okay, well, we don't, and honestly, we didn't really know anything about fostering. Like we, I've never been really around anybody that fostered. Like I really didn't know any foster kids. Like I just didn't, we just didn't know anything. And so we wrote all this list, like stuff that we needed to figure out before we said yes. It was just amazing. God, like when we would come together and, and have these questions Almost sometimes within 24 hours, God would answer those exact questions, whether it be a friend of a friend or, I mean, it was just amazing. And then we'd come back together like, okay, we got these questions answered. Well, then we've got these. And then he would just answer it. And it was almost like a sense of urgency, like, okay, you're answering this fast. Like we have, like, it just was moving along so fast. So we just thought, okay, well then we... We finally were like, yes, Lord, we're going to do it. It's, we hear you loud and clear that this is what you want us to do. And so we're like, all right, well, let's get on the ball. So we started taking the classes to become foster parents. And we knew at the time that our house that we were living in, that we loved so much, did not have a room for the foster child. And so we had this plan because we wanted to stay in this house. We had this plan that we were going to like add on, like close in our garage and then we were going to build another garage, like to the side or whatever. So this house we lived in, we loved it, but it was in a floodplain. And so our yard would flow when it rained. Not horribly, but in, in the house had flood, like water had gotten in many years ago, but it had not done it since then. And so we knew this, we had flood insurance. And so, but we had never really experienced like high levels of rain, just our yard flooding and everything. And so we went through the process getting contractors to come. We had like probably seven contractors come, giving them our ideas, just talking to them. And we just couldn't get any, like, it was just so weird. Like we, but we couldn't get started for some reason. Like we couldn't pick a contractor. Like there was always something going on that it was just not working out. We, one night we woke up at like four in the morning, our next door neighbor called and said, you need to go look outside. And so we went and we looked outside and there was an inch, like a step up to our house to where like the water was all around us. There was one step, like if it probably two inches to where it would be starting to come in our house. And it was just raining, like it was continually raining. So four in the morning, we're like, what are we going to do? So we just start picking up furniture. We're like in a haze. Like we just, we don't know what to do. It just stopped raining. Like it just stopped. I mean, literally we were on an island, could not go anywhere for almost two days, but no water got in our house. Like it just stopped. And so if we would have done any construction, done anything, it would have flooded. It would have destroyed all of that. And we just saw that as God saying, you're not supposed to be here. I think I forgot to say this. So we had to stop foster, like our process of becoming foster parents until we move forward with the house until we had a room or somewhere for a child to be. And so that's why we were trying to hurry to get contractors and all that stuff. And so once God showed us that this was not what we were supposed to do, we started looking for houses and we looked at several that we really liked and they would like have an offer like that day or like it just didn't work out. And I saw this house 
online and um, I was taking Landry uh, to volleyball kind of by there. So I dropped her off and I was like, this house is by there. I'm just going to drive by. So I drive by and I drive in the driveway and I'm like, mm, this is really pretty. But honestly, I'm like, I don't think we can afford this. I'm just going to call the realtor and we'll see if it's meant to be, then it's meant to be. And so I call the realtor and she doesn't call me back, which is fine. I'm like, I'm, this just wasn't meant to be. And so a week or two later, we were driving back for like think a volleyball game. We were by there and we were all in the car. And so I was like, Adam, I drove by this house. Let me just drive you, um, drive you by there so you can see it and see what you think. I called the realtor. She, you know, we didn't hear back from her. We pull up and I was like, uh, yeah, we're calling about this house. And so he calls right then. And like, we see the house, I think that day. And we make an offer like that weekend, like the next day. Our house sitting on the market, like nothing. So we go and um, put our house on the market. Our house sells. We ha It's like a bidding war. Like it was great. And it sells in a weekend. It was on the market for like three days. It sells. And so we're moving towards getting this house. Well, do you remember I told you that land that we bought in Melomine? So when we moved to Shreveport, we put the land on the market and because we weren't going to be and when there was no reason to keep it. And it was on the market. We're like, oh, it's going to sell fast. Like all the realtors that were calling us, like it's, it's, I mean, it's going to sell fast. It stayed on the market for seven years, seven years. We used to go to church and go to the land after church and pray like all seven of it or all and pray like, Lord, please just take this land. Oh, and I mean, I, I fasted because I do our bills and I'm like, we could just use that money for this. If I just had this, I could just. And so, but no, it was seven years. And in the process of buying this house, we hadn't even thought about the land. And someone called us like when we were in the process of buying this house and said, somebody wants to buy the land. We closed on that land a week before we bought this house, and it was the exact amount of money that we needed to put down on this house. You just can't make that up. So we moved into this house, and this house, like, we knew exactly what we wanted. We wanted the room to be close to our bedroom, like, for the foster child. It's exactly, like, it's just the layout. And so we kind of called this Henry's house um, just because it's we wouldn't have it if we weren't obedient and, you know, had him. Fast forward, so we went and got moved in the house in August. We finished our licensure, and we were licensed in January. We got our license in January. And so I'm going to pause right there, and I want to go back. So growing up, I always wanted a big brother, which is crazy thinking back. I don't know why, but I always wanted a big brother. I only I had a little sister and that's it. And so I was always jealous of friends that had big brothers. I had cousins that had big brothers and I just always wanted a big brother, big brother, but that was not going to happen. Fast forward to in high school, my mom sits me down and tells me that she gave birth to a boy three years, almost to the day to when I was born. Her parents lived in California at the time, and so she moved to California to have this baby, and she gave this baby up for adoption in California. And so I was surprised. I was excited because I'm like, I do have a big brother. And just like, oh, my gosh. Like I was just – and so it's something that I thought about, not all the time, but periodically through – since she told me through my life. And then in, I think, 2014 – my mom and I were kind of talking about it. I go, do you mind if I try to find them? And so I called the adoption agency. She said, okay, she, my mom still has a lot of shame and a lot of just grief. And so I, we don't talk about it much. And, you know, that's just, just how it is. So we called, I called the adoption agency and went through all this process of trying to find him. And the lady was just like, there's just not no way that the, the adoption was closed and he has not reached out. And so there, I, this is all that I can do. We have reached a crossroads where I just can't help you anymore. And she was, she was like, you know, your mom could do this X, Y, and Z to try to maybe go a little fur further, but that's all. And so I was very upset about that, but I mean, that's what it is. And at the time, my mom, she just couldn't do it. It was just too much for her. 
we just left it at that. But I knew I had a baby brother, and my mom's last name is Hendricks. So it was baby Hendricks. Fast forward to us getting the license for being foster parents. Um, We get a call two weeks after we were licensed. And so I was at work and I call her back because I miss it. I was with a patient and I call her back. She's like, hey, we have a placement. Um, It's a four month old baby boy. And so our only thing, we did not want a baby. We had had babies. We had, had two at one time. We were ba- we were babied out. Like we did not want to be. That was our only severe. Like I didn't care the race. I didn't care you know anything like gender, anything like that. Just did not want a baby. And so get this call. And it's four month old baby boy. And I'm like, oh gosh. And so I was like, I don't know. And I'm like, I'm gonna have to call Adam. I just don't know if that's gonna work. But just wait. Just let me call him and let me see. And of course, we were excited because this was our new first placement, you know, or in all that. So I'll call Adam and he was like, oh, we said no babies, Melanie. <laughs> and I was like, I know. I'm like, we probably won't have them long. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so Adam was like, I guess. So our thing was, well, we got to have to find childcare. If we can find childcare, then we can, we can take them. So on my lunch break, I went home. I came home. And I looked through the phone book or what on my phone, and I was I called probably 15 different places. Nobody had an opening. And I'm like, I was about to call and say that we could not take him because I could not find a place. I could not not work. And so I remembered, and at dawn, I remembered um, a fellow foster mom that had a her foster daughter in a, a place, a daycare. And so I called her, and she was like, yeah, you can call, call Miss Thelma and, and see if she has an opening. So I called Miss Thelma. I said, I told her the story and situation. She goes, yeah, you can bring them tomorrow. And I was like, do what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, bring them tomorrow. And I go, okay. And so I hung, hang up, and I tell Adam, I'm like, we're getting a baby. And so I call, and I'm like, okay, we're good. We'll, we'll take them. And so I go back to work, and I finish, and I come home. And about 30 minutes later, Miss Mary pulls up with baby. And I'm like, what is his name? It is Baby Hendrix. I was just kind of speechless with that. And my mom is too. And I think that that has helped her in a lot of ways with healing process because she was totally against us fostering. Our whole family was. That just spoke to her tremendously. And so we have this precious baby boy. I mean, he was, is, and was just, I mean, beautiful baby. He slept through the night like he was good. And I just remember holding him that first day, that night when he got there and just being so happy that I could to take care of this beautiful baby. And then all of a sudden, I'm just overwhelmed with emotion that my joy is causing another woman's just total loss. Someone else, she's just sad. And I didn't care what she had done or anything like that to, to lose him. I knew she was sad and it just broke my heart. And so God just, I mean, in that moment, God broke my heart for her in an abundance of love that I just, I can't explain. It's, it's supernatural love. That's the only way that I can explain it. Before I continue This love at times is almost, it's kind of almost annoying sometimes because I think about her all the time and I pray for her like God puts her on my heart. I mean, almost every day from that moment, he would put her on my heart and there would be sometimes I'd be like, God, why? Why do I care so much for this woman? Why do I love her so much? Why? And he just sweetly said, it's how I love you. And at then I just knew, you know, it made me realize it's a pure love. Like I have no judgment for her. It, I have no agenda. Like it's nothing but just the purest of love. Like getting a glimpse of, of how God loves you, honestly. And so it's just sweet. It's just so sweet, but it's hard. So we go through with fostering Henry. We go to court and... I don't meet her. Um, she she never comes to court. And so the judge tells us that it's going to be moving toward adopting. So we need to figure out if we're going to adopt him or not. And so, of course, we love him and he's amazing. And so, we're like, yes, we, we want to adopt him. 
But at the same time, when Adam and I decided or, you know, the big planners that we are, um, that we were going to become foster parents, we just knew, we felt God, we were just going to touch all these children and we're going to have this home just full of kids and foster for, you know, that was our calling just to foster the rest of our lives and, and to help families and reunite families and just love on families. And so... We knew that when we adopted Henry, that it would close our house because the state of Mississippi, you can't have five or more children in your home to foster. And so adopting Henry would close our home. So we would have adopted or fostered one child. And so I know that seems a little silly, but it was hard for us to swallow that because it was just one child. But we knew without a shadow of doubt that Henry was supposed to be in our home and that we were supposed to be his mom and dad. And so without question, we were going to adopt him. We wound up adopting Henry. We had fostered him for, I guess, a year and three months. We adopted him in April of 2018, I believe. No, 2019, we adopted him. Still never met biological parents. Still prayed for Chelsea. I knew her name. Um, Didn't really know much else about her, but I still prayed for her all the time. She was on my heart all the time. I talked about her to Adam all the time. I know he got, I got on his nerves talking about him. Like, can't we just have our family and can't you just let it be? God just put her on my heart so much. And so we adopted him in April. I heard that she was panhandling and that she was pregnant. And I just, and I, from the location of where she was, it was right by where I worked. And so I was like, God, am I going to see her? Like, are you going to give me this opportunity to see her? And it went months and I didn't. And I'm like, why am I not going to see her? And so it, uh, in October of 2019, I was working and my afternoon, all my patients canceled that afternoon. And so I needed to run errands. So I left at lunch and didn't come back, which I normally never do. Like I usually will just stay at work. I have a great boss and he'll pay me even when I'm not <laughs> I have a patient. I, I hate that. But, and so I decided to run to Target. I had to go pick up an order or something that I, I had waiting on me. I pull in and get it and I'm pulling out. And in the corner of my eye, I see somebody standing up at the intersection. And I knew it was her before I knew it was her. Like I just, I just felt it. I just knew it was her. And I pull out and I'm pulling up and she's standing there and I'm like, uh, and I'm like, it's her. I just know it's her. And I'm like, God, what do I do? And I just have this, just like, what do I do? What do I do? I just keep praying. Like, what do I do? And the light turns green and I keep going. I'm like, God, what do I do? What do I do? And I just, it's like, turn around. Just, you don't have anywhere else to be. And with five kids, that's unusual not to have anywhere to be. Like I had nowhere to be. And so I turn around and I go back and I pull in the Target parking lot. And by this time, she was sitting down on like an electrical, by electrical box. I think she was changing her shoes. And I walk up to where she is and I say, Chelsea. And she goes, yeah. And I said, I'm Melanie and I have something to tell you. And she goes, okay. And she was a little, you know, kind of what is this crazy woman doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm Hendrix's mom. And she just started crying and she jumped up and she just hugged me and we just hugged and we cried. And she thanked me over and over again. It was just a, a sweet time. Like we got to talk for 30 minutes on the side of the main intersection right there. For 30 minutes, she told me all kinds of stuff. I got to tell her how much how wonderful he is and how much we love him and adore him and you know that he is taken care of that he has everything that he needs and wants and so it was it was just it was God orchestrating just a beautiful time of us just seeing each other meeting each other in the most strangest place I mean where you know how could that be you know happen it's just crazy but I just felt God telling me, we we talked for about 30 minutes and I just felt he, he telling me to pray for her. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like when God talks to me, it's like he burdens my heart and he like makes me sweat. 
And so I just felt that, and it's like a sense of urgency. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to. And But I just knew that I was supposed to. And so, and he wanted me to get on my knees. And so I held her hands, I asked her if I could pray for her. And I got on my knees and I prayed for her. And, and it was, it, it did my heart as much good as I hope it did hers. I, I don't know, but it, it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to meet her and to be able to pray for her. I left, I gave her my name, you know, my name and number on a card. I wrote it down. That was on a Thursday and she was very much pregnant. She was like either like four days past due, I think she said, or four, like four days till her due date. Like she was almost about to, to pop. That was on a Thursday, like I said. And then that's Sunday, Adam and I are leading small group. We just felt called to, to lead a small group. And so we had um small group at our house and our small group, I mean, they pray for Chelsea. They know all about, everybody who knows me knows about Chelsea because I just tell everybody and I want everybody praying for her. I, I'm cheering for her. You know, I want the best for her. I was giving them an update that Sunday and we had a new couple that came and that's the only first time and the only time they came to our small group. <laughs> I don't know what that says about us. And so we were kind of talking about the story. I was telling everybody what happened with meeting Chelsea and all that. And she recognized her from a lady that she knows that does a homeless ministry. She later after that, she texted me and showed me a picture of Chelsea's that she had her baby. And so I contacted this Miss Sandy is her name, who does this homeless ministry. She makes food out of her home and takes it and, and distributes to the homeless all in Jackson. And so I contacted Miss Sandy and told her our story and our situation. And I said, I would love if you see her, I would, I want to get some stuff for her new baby. And I would love if you could, you know, bring it to her. And she said, I would absolutely love that. So I brought diapers, like all kinds of stuff for Chelsea's new baby. And she was able to give it to her um, in December of 2019. And she videoed her giving it to her. And I also wrote Chelsea a letter and I printed off some pictures of Henry for her to have. So that was just sweet. That was a good Christmas present for me. So then 2000 rolls around and then or 2020 rolls around. It's COVID. And so, uh, you know, we're stuck. And so I got Chelsea's address. They had just moved into an apartment. I got Chelsea's address from Miss Sandy. And I told Adam, I said, I've been saving all of Henry's stuff so I could give it to baby brother. And I said, I want to take, I just feel like we're supposed to go to her house and bring her this stuff. And so Adam like Googles the address and he goes, Millie, this is in a horrible part of town. He was like, I just don't think that this is a good idea. And I was very persistent. I was like, yes, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to go. Adam is not always fond of my God telling me what to do. <laughs> but he's like, okay. And so September of 2020, we decided we were going to go. Adam called his brother and was like, he's a, he's a Marine, and was like, if, <laughs> if you don't hear from me in 20 minutes, call Jackson Pete like he did and we pull up and we go to the door and knock and the Henry's biological father was there we got to meet him and we got to see Chelsea and deliver the stuff and she was very grateful and I also made photo albums for Chelsea of Henry from when I got him to that time I made one for Chelsea and I made one for Chelsea's mom. While talking to her when I met her that first time, she said that her oldest son, which is Phoenix, her mom adopted him and has him. And so I just figured she would like to have pictures of Henry as well. Both of them photo albums of Henry. And I wrote Chelsea another note just telling her that I loved her and that I'm cheering for her and I want the absolute best for her. And so it was just sweet. It was sweet. It was all God. I was not nervous at all because I just knew that that's where we were supposed to be. And that's what we were supposed to be doing. We left. And shortly after that, Chelsea's mom reached out to me. And so we began a relationship and we were able to 
meet with her and the boys with Phoenix and the youngest brother and let Henry meet them for the first time, which we told him. And he was, I think, three at the time. So he didn't really understand. We just told him that he had brothers, but he was super excited to have more brothers. And so we went to a park and met Grandma Gail there and met Phoenix and his younger brother, Keezy, there. And they just played and it was just so sweet. It's like they had, they'd known each other and been with each other every day. It was just really sweet. And Grandma, it was very emotional for Grandma Gail to get to see him because she hadn't seen him since he was three months old. But it was just a good, good, sweet, sweet time. And so Grandma Gail and I have, you know, kept a relationship and would talk and text each other periodically. And I would, she would send stuff to, to tell Henry and I would send her pictures of Henry and, Chelsea and I would text back and forth just a little bit here and there. And then that was in, well, 2021 is when, January 2021 is when we met Grandma Gail and um, went to the park. Well, the end of August of 2021, Grandma Gail told me that the boys had been taken um, and were in custody um, or the baby was in custody that, um, some stuff had happened and, um, that he was in custody and we tried to get him with some of our friends that were foster a family, but we, we couldn't make it work. And so I was just praying for her. Like, I just didn't know. And then I, she was pregnant with her fifth baby boy. And so, and he was due anytime then. And so she, she had baby number five, a baby boy, and he was taken into custody as well um, with the same family. And so she, it was just kind of silent then. Um, I was just talking to Grandma Gail because she was very worried and about the boys and all that. And we actually met with the social worker and got to do a play date with the boys and Grandma Gail and the oldest boy. Um, So that was sweet because I want my whole objective. I want Henry. I just know God has just put it on my heart, especially knowing I had a brother and not knowing him and wishing I did. I want that for Henry. I want him to know his siblings. I want him, I mean, they're, they're right here. They're not far from us. And so I want him to, to have a relationship with them if it's possible. We try to make it work as much as we can. And so we did, we've met with them and the social worker and had a play date and which was great. And that was in the fall of 2021. And then in December, we had Grandma Gail over and Phoenix over for Christmas and did like Christmas presents and dinner and stuff like that. And it was it was just sweet. And Grandma Gail told me that Chelsea was going to rehab with her boys, with both of her boys. And so in March, I think she went to rehab in maybe December or January. And then March... She got out of rehab and Grandma Gail said that she was moving in with her. And so just to pray for that situation that she was, you know, nervous about that, but super excited and that Chelsea was doing great, you know, did really good in rehab. And so then it was kind of quiet. And then of July of 2022, I get a text from Chelsea and she said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm eight months sober. I have a job. And I'm doing really good. And it's the youngest son's post birthday coming up. He'll be one years old. And I'm throwing him a birthday party. And I would like for y'all to come. And so I was so excited, y'all. I was, I, I cried. Like I was so excited to hear that because I really am cheering for her. And I really, really want the best for her. And so Adam and I talked about it. And we always said that if they were clean, like doing good, that we, we want them to have a relationship. If it was, safe and good that we wanted them to. And so we said that we decided that we were going to go to the birthday party. And at this time we had already told Henry, and that was another thing, like I felt God telling me to tell Henry that he was adopted. And because we celebrated, you know, his gotcha day and, you know, but he didn't really understand it, but he was at a point where he was starting to understand and I just, I told Adam, I was like, I, and this was at the beginning of 2022. I was like, I just feel like God's, it's time. Like, we're, and he's like, Molly, are you sure? I just don't think it's time. Like, <laughs> here he is annoyed with me again. <laughs> and so I was like, yes, I, I just feel like it's time. I just do. I just feel this urgency. I'll just, and so we told him 
And it's very tricky trying, like they don't give you books of how to tell your child that they're adopted and how to do that process. So we thought, thought the best thing or thought the best thing was to, we bought a children's book that talked about a little boy being adopted. And so Adam and I brought him in our bedroom and sat on our bed and we read him the book. And then we were, we told him that he was adopted and that he had another mommy that he came from her belly and like Jack and Lucy and Lola and Landry came from my belly, but you came from another mommy's belly. And I'm like, and God thought you were so special that you're supposed to have two families. And he wanted to know why he wasn't with that family. And I said, they were just really sick and they just couldn't take care of you. And, um, and so God thought that you should be in our family, that we love you so much. And, you know, it was sweet. It was very heavy on us. Like it was just hard, but it was good and it was sweet. And he seemed that good with it and understood. Um, and then we thought it went well. We thought it went well. <laughs> and then we were going to go celebrate his adoption day. And Adam took him with him to get his haircut before we were going to go out to eat and celebrate. And Henry told the barber, yeah, we're about to go celebrate when they bought me from my other family. <laughs> right. We failed. We failed miserably at that. So there's a few little kinks we got we need to work out, but um, for the most part, uh, he seems okay. And and so here we are. We're gonna go to this birthday party. We're gonna you know meet Chelsea. He's not seen Chelsea since you know he was four months old. And so I told Chelsea, I said I wanted to let you know that we told Henry that he was adopted, and I told her that. I said, this is what we told him that, you know, y'all were just sick and you couldn't take care of him and that God wanted him in our family and that he's just special because he has two families that love him. And so I just wanted to be upfront with her as much as possible to let her know what he knows. And so we waited to tell him until the night before because Henry kind of like will dwell on stuff and think about stuff. And so, and talk about it all at school, like, you know, and so we just, we decided we'd wait the night before. And so we sat down in the kitchen and we were like, Henry, you remember when we told you, you know, you have another mommy and you've got, you know, your brothers and, um, well, it's your youngest brother's birthday and we're, it's tomorrow and we're going to go to his birthday party and your other mommy is going to be there. (gasps) You mean my other mama is going to be there? I'm going to see her? And I was like, we were like, yeah, you're going to see your other mommy. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. Thank you, mama. Thank you so much. I have missed her so much. I love her so much. And he just went back and forth to Adam and I, just hugging us and thanking us over and over again for letting us see her. It was good, but I'm going to tell you when he walked away excited, I just broke. I just started bawling, crying. And I felt every insecurity I could feel as his mother, that I'm not good enough, that, I mean, just everything. And am I doing the right thing? I mean, we could be in our own happy bubble and not have to deal with this and have our own happy life. But I knew that that's not what, it's not about me. It's about Henry. And he needed that. He needed to see her and she needed to see him. And so... I just, I knew it was the right thing to do. We went the next day and we were super nervous, super nervous. We just didn't know how it was going to look. We prayed a lot about it and we go in and Grandma Gail walks up to us and she, he knows, you know, goes and hugs her and says hi and then I see Chelsea walking up and I reach out and I'm like, Henry, that's Mama Chelsea. And um, that's what we call her, Mama Chelsea. And so she, he runs up to her and she gets on her knees and she hugs them and they just hug. And Grandma Gail starts crying and I start crying. It was very emotional. But Chelsea just did amazing. Like she needed, she was exactly what Henry needed her to be. She was bubbly and happy and like, hey, you know, and just talking to him and just great. And it was a great, we had a great time at the birthday party. It was wonderful. And and Henry wanted to be by her the whole time. And, you know, can I sit by you, Mama Chelsea? And, and just kept randomly, 
you know, coming up and hugging her, which that Henry's just a loving child, just a loving child. He loves everyone. And so it was great. We, she thanked us a lot for coming. And I've made a point, one thing, anytime that Henry was with any of his brothers, his grandmother or Chelsea, that I took pictures because I want him to remember that. I want him to know that no matter what happens, you know, I just want him to have pictures. And I also, these pictures I have framed in his room. So he has pictures of Chelsea and him framed in his room. He has his grandma and his brothers all in his room framed because I just feel like that's important. I want him to just feel that love from them. So their birthdays are all really close together. And so the next month, that was August, um, the next month was Henry's birthday. And she came to Henry's birthday and it was really good. And then Henry was playing soccer. She's come to a bunch of Henry's soccer games and, you know, us sitting beside each other, watching him play, cheering for him. I mean, it's just the little things that you can make awkward, that could be awkward if you really think about them. But then there is also so much beauty in that because I know it's a rare relationship. And then the other brother had a birthday party in October that we've been. And then we invited Chelsea over for Christmas and Grandma Gail over and the boys over for Christmas and did Christmas with them and, and dinner. And it's just been sweet. So it's a, it's a start of a sweet relationship. So Chelsea is supposed to share her story as well. I don't know if I'm even supposed to say this. And we were trying to get her to share it with mine today. And when she, Chelsea talked to um, Catherine and Kimberly, and she texts me right after, and it's like, will you meet with me? Do you mind meeting with me? And just kind of go on over my story and, um, and just kind of seeing how it all works together and everything. And I was like, I would love to. And so we met last Saturday And we just had the best time just sitting down. We were there for like three hours and we just got to open up to each other and say a lot of things to each other up front, not just in a letter, but up front face to face that have been, I've been wanted to say, and I'm sure she's wanted to say to me. And so it's just a beautiful thing, God, when he's just orchestrated, like I don't, I don't feel like, I don't even like to say this is my story because this is totally God's story. He has just, just helped me or allowed me to be a part of it. And I'm just so, so thankful that he's allowed me just to, just to do that. You know, if you think about it as a mother, I'm protective of my children. Like they're mine and you don't want to share your kids with anyone. And so it's all God, totally God, with me being able to open my heart to to share Henry. I mean, because I love him. He's my son. And it's hard sometimes when you think about it, to if you look outside the box and be like, to share him. But it's a very unique relationship. And I, I'm just so thankful God has led me, gently led me through it. And it's just been a beautiful thing to walk through. And I'm I'm so thankful. Another thing that I wanted to share is, so, you know, we were only supposed to, we, we only fostered one child and we were just like, why Lord, why just one child? I just, we just felt like we were called to, to do so much more. And so Adam and I, you know, been leading this small group for four years now, I guess it is. And in this time four couples have become foster parents in our small group, not because of us. They have already, God has already put it in their heart, but they have found our small group. And just by, you know, seeing it being lived out and just that it's, it's okay. That's not so scary. It's doable. God has given them the courage to, to, to go and to become foster parents. So we're able to keep and help with other foster families and, and keep their babies, foster babies. So it's not our plan. Like God still, we're still involved with foster care, but it's just a different way of how God made it, how we were supposed to be involved. And it's perfect. Like it is perfect. Like it's exactly how I would, I wouldn't want it any other way. And so in closing, 
this is my paragraph, you know, that <laughs> the only thing that God allowed me <laughs> to write down. What, I guess, what do I want you to get out of my story is we're not all called to be foster parents or to adopt, but we are all called to be God's hands and feet. That means you're going to have to do things that make you uncomfortable, sometimes very uncomfortable. We can't grow in faith and love and obedience by staying in our bubble. All it takes is faith the size of a mustard seed, a little yes, and he will use that little step of obedience to take you somewhere you never dreamed you'd go. There is so much beauty in watching him work. You feel so humbled and special that he picked you to work, to help work things out together for his good. You love deeper, your perspective becomes clearer, and hearing him becomes easier. The more steps you take, the more you yearn for him. You get small glimpses to see how God sees the world, how he loves us, and it's overwhelmingly good. Thank y'all for coming. This story is one huge example of what happens when you say yes to God. Mm -hmm. When you take a leap of faith of something way out of your comfort zone that makes absolutely no sense because you already have four children under four (laughs) and you say yes to the Lord. This is a full story of every place he met her along the way. Yeah. You know, when I first was listening to her story, I thought, oh, this is about fostering. Oh, it's about adoption. And honestly, I really thought it was about the love that God placed within her for the biological mom, Chelsea. To me, that's what just screamed out to me that just God longs to show himself to other people through the love he gives us for them. It was huge to me. Well, the verse from Ephesians, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, he just kept adding to it. Yes. You're going to say yes to me? (laughs) I'm going to add to it. I'm, And then I'm going to equip you. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a great reminder of no no matter what phase of life you're in or what problem you're facing, if you will just open your hands and say yes to God, he will meet you right there and he will give you more than you could ever imagine. And, and even just recognizing that God's plan trumps ours mm-hmm. every, time. every time. I mean, even the land situation where they yeah. couldn't sell the land, but it was sold right when they needed it to sell. For the exact I mean, so many different examples of that throughout her story. It was such a good reminder. I was so encouraged by her faith of going to the Lord for everything. How easy is it for us to want to convince our husbands or to want to do this or that? And she was like, God, if you want us to foster, you have to tell him that, Mm -hmm. not me. And if you want us to do this, you have to make this happen. And he continually did. And what a way to live. It was such a sweet affirmation for her throughout the entire journey, honestly. Yeah. And the Lord affirmed her in his love for her. You know, it's a pure love, just like I love you, Melanie, and and she loves Chelsea. It it was just beautiful all the way around. It was. I'm so thankful she was willing to share. This was just such a unique journey that y'all were probably, I think you're probably on the edge of your seat, just (laughs) like we were. And so we are so thankful to Melanie for really sharing all of this, the good, the bad, the hard. So what is God telling you to say yes to today? We would encourage you to say yes to that one thing that maybe he's put on your heart that doesn't make a lot of sense. Today's story was a great challenge for that. And listen, if you do it, would you let us know? We say this all the time. There's <laughs> nothing we love more than feedback from you yes. on how God uses these stories in your life. And so reach out to us. Send us an email at info at storytellerslive.org. Send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. We check those and we listen and we love to hear how God uses stories uh, to speak to you. And so thanks for listening today. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.